Welcome to Space the Floor NBA podcast. My name is Connor Yeelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 11th official episode. In the past seven days, there have been two insane 50-point games. Like, first of all, let's just talk about Clay Thompson. <laughs> 52 points. In three quarters. In three quarters, 27 minutes. And he broke the record. His for, own teammate's record. His own teammate's record with 14 made three-pointers in one NBA game. Incredible. It, like, incredible. What else can you say? I mean, in in three quarters, we were just we just checked, 453 left in the third quarter. He hits his 14 three-pointer of the game to pass Steph Curry, who had previously made 13 in a game. And just like... How do you do in 27 minutes? Like, <laughs> never mind. Like, that would be 14 three pointers in a game is impressive. In no matter you know, no matter how many minutes you play, it's, it's a record. But in 27 minutes, if he played a normal amount of minutes, say like 36, that's that, an easy 17, 18, right? You would say 17, 18. I would, yeah, I, I would probably like, say well, 17. How many? How many minutes considered. are we saying? Like, are we saying like 35 minutes? Yeah, 35. So an extra. Yeah, that eight. might be a little. That may, yeah. I feel I would, like he could have seventeen. He on could the pace, go for nineteen. On the pace he was do on the pace he was doing it, then it would he would have be, been like nineteen like, or twenty, right? Yeah, but proportionally. Like, you know, he might have cooled off a little bit or something, gotten tired. Either way, it's that's absolutely crazy. Yeah, I, I kind of wish that I kind of wish he stayed in though, right? Like, I, yeah, Steve Curry, like why? Same thing last week with Taurus. Steph Curry when he dropped over fifty. He got but taken out early too. I think the score at that point, it, when he hit that, when he hit that three, was like 110 to 70 or something like yes. that. So <laughs> it's kind of understandable they would take him out. Um, uh, yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, well, actually, I, w- I wanted to talk first about. I noticed. Okay, I, I make everything about Steph Curry, right? Yeah. But I think it's pretty impressive to see how when Steph Curry saw that Klay Thompson had 11 three-pointers, mm-hmm. 12 three-pointers, 13. He lets he, Clay take over? Yeah, he was he was rooting him on. He was he, he course, was giving yeah. him the ball and he he was like very genuinely excited from what I saw on the replays. Yeah. Which no. I think I think is pretty impressive. Personally, uh-huh. if that was me, I wouldn't. I would be kind of pissed. I'd that be like, you'd be oh, upset that your yeah. teammate broke your own record. I a mean, little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I, that's understandable. Yeah, but I mean, I, 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 I think it, it speaks I, I think to that, that. Yeah, that speaks to what Steph Curry is, who he is, how he let mm-hmm. this team is so selfless as a whole, right? Like yeah. people talking about, you know, that these players might leave or something. I think it, it just speaks to the fact that these, this is a very tight group of guys, and you know, maybe maybe Clay Thompson's not happy or Kevin Durant's not happy behind the scenes, but it speaks to, it, it, and I think it's evidence that these guys care about each other and are selfless and are all in it just because they're having a good time and they're trying to win another championship. I'll say it speaks to who Steph Curry is and how unselfish he is. Mm-hmm. Not many superstars would be able to uh, uh, convince another mm-hmm. superstar who is slightly better than them to join their team and take over their team, not in the locker room, but in terms of the offense. Yeah, I don't think guys like Russell Westbrook or even no. James Harden would do that. So I, th- I think... I hope that's I hope that's remembered as that's a Steph, a, yeah. as a Steph Curry fan. I hope that's remembered. He deserves all the respect in the world for that. That's that's an that's an important thing, and just the the willingness of not even just Steph Curry, but all you know Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant all to work together, and when one person is hot, to give them the rock and say go you know go do your thing. 
I think that it's kind of sad that we've seen Clay Thompson, you know, all the time you hear about how, you know, what, a, and obviously we see it that, you know, what a great player Clay Thompson is. And people say, you know, how much better he would be if he was on a team by himself. But, you know, I think that they're all, all three of them, they don't even really care so much about like, themselves. It's just about like whoever's hot, you give them the ball because it's going to help the team. Well, I know, uh, it's you, I, I know your opinion on this. Yeah. You want to talk about that now? Or yeah, you... I, I want to talk about this now. All right, all right. You were talking about how Clay Thompson earlier. You were talking about how Clay Thompson isn't really like or has been benefited from being on the yeah. Warriors. Yeah, I think I hear all the time, and it, it I don't know, it kind of bothers me. I hear all the time that um that Clay Thompson would be better off on a team by himself, sort of. Not even not not because he would win more or something, but because we're not really seeing him flourish to his, you know, to his, the maximum potential, um, on, on the Warriors that on a team by himself, he could do something like go out and average 25, 30 points per game. To me, that's a little bit unrealistic. I don't think that's, I don't, I think that's unfair to say, because I think that as amazing of a player as Clay Thompson is at the most fundamental level, obviously he's far more than just a 3 and D player, but that's the basis of his talent, right? He's an incredible lights-out shooter, and obviously we've seen that. He's one of the best shooters in NBA history. When he's hot, he looks like the most unstoppable player on the court. On defense, he's absolutely locked down, can guard the other team's best player for, you know, and that's that's why, you know, despite Curry not being the best defender, this team always, always defends well because Klay Thompson can lock down the other team's better guard. But... I don't think that on a team by himself, Clay Thompson would thrive like people believe he would. You you said he, he wouldn't average twenty five points per game. It definitely wouldn't be an efficient twenty five points per game. Could he? Maybe, but, but uh, you're saying that that would take away from his game because you. Would I say don't. Either he would not average twenty five or more, or it would just be inefficient. Yeah, I mean, I basically what my my point is that I I don't think that like. All of a sudden, if Clay if Clay went and joined another team, that we'd consider him like a top ten player or something like that. I don't think anyone's saying he's a top ten player. I'm, I think that people believe that there are, there are plenty of people who believe that if if that if Clay left the Warriors, that all of a sudden he would become a top ten player, that he would become a superstar I don't think on his own. Believe that? Okay, I th- I have heard that before. And okay, but so basically, what I'm what I'm trying to say is that if Clay Thompson was on a team by himself, he would have a ton of struggles that we don't even think about because he's on the Warriors. Like what? He we take for granted that he gets open shots, right? Like okay, yes, he drops 60 points in 3 quarters a couple years ago. He has the record 37 points in 1 quarter. Now he broke the record for with 14 three-pointers in a game. But what we forget, or I think that people are kind of oblivious to, is the fact that he's getting wide open shots over and over again. Now not not I'm not saying that in this game all of his shots were wide open because they weren't. But he was consistently getting open, you know, semi-open, and not even like they weren't even like necessarily. What I'm trying to say is they weren't like heat check shots. It wasn't like he was taking. It wasn't like he was taking two dribbles and knocking it down in someone's mouth. He can make those shots though. He can. He's a top three shooter of all time. Exactly. He's he's an incredible shooter. But my 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 point is that when you have Kevin Durant, when you have Steph Curry, when you have a plethora of shooters all around you, it means that it's a lot easier as a shooter to get your looks. I think. I disagree. I still think he would be an elite scorer on his own team. If you look at the past three years, not including this mm-hmm. year, he's averaged 22.1, 22.3, and 20. Yeah. The past three years, mm-hmm. points per game. Mm-hmm. 
you don't think that he would be getting a lot more shots per game as the first option. I do think he'd be put him on, a, put him on Phoenix instead of Devin Booker. I think that he would be getting more shots per game. I don't think that, but I don't think that you can look to him as a franchise as your number one as as a true number one scorer. I don't think he can be that. I disagree. I, I don't think he would be like a top ten player in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think that's not what I I'm don't, saying. I don't think that. I don't think that just someone who is a. I don't. Now this okay. This is based on because he's been on a team with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. We haven't seen him much as a playmaker. I think that what I think that my my main criticism of Clay Thompson is that his shots tend to come tend to be coming running off of screens, you know, and and off of passes, catch and shoot kind of scenarios. In in that game, correct me if I'm wrong, but in that game, um. Where he dropped 14 three pointers. Most of his shots were off catch and shoot. Exactly. I think he had one. I think he had one off dribble three pointer. Okay. So I, th- I think I, I think he would still be very effective if he had as a, a shooter. Good, as a shooter, he's he very a, effective. If he had, if he had a good playmaking point guard. If yes. The, even yes. If the, no, but even if the point guard was worse than him as an NBA player. Yeah. I still think. But but he would not. He would not be anywhere close to as good as he is in the Warriors' offense. I, that, that's what. That's what. Not, I, that, okay, those are two different things. What? Those are two different things. Being. A, your own shot creator, and yeah, yeah, in yeah. terms of being, I, he's he benefits so much from being in this war in the Warriors' offense as a shooter, as a primary, uh, primarily his his offensive game revolves around him just being one of the best shooters ever. It's very hard to to be an elite scorer on a team by yourself if you're a shooter and not a playmaker. Look, this is what I have to say though. I think yeah. Clay Thompson's driving ability is so underrated. I think some of that is enhanced by that he has yeah. this ball movement system. And mm-hmm. the defense is shifting when he catches the ball, but his—it reminds me of like a more elite version of what Luka Doncic is right now. Luka Doncic has the has what? the best has the best. Uh, if but he, but I, Luka, I Luka this, Doncic at this no, point no. is already a better passer. A bet he's I'm not, I'm not talking far about better. I'm, I'm talking about attacking off the dribble. I think I don't think Clay Thompson really? can hit you with like three crossovers. But the way that Luka Doncic speeds up and slows down, he's not an elite. He's not like De'Aaron Fox. He's not going to blow by you. But he is but, elite deceleration. I've read this article. He is elite deceleration. That's in like the ninety something percentile in the NBA. You have his ability to move laterally. That's why he, is this is this Luka Doncic or Clay no, Thompson? Clay, Clay Thompson. Okay. Or, Luka Doncic is in the ninety percentile in deceleration. Clay Thompson yeah. is similar in that he is this very like good ability to start and stop, and he has very good lateral quickness, which makes him such a good defender that enhances but, his driving ability. And I say like where he can drive to the middle and do that pull up. He doesn't do it a lot because okay, the, the Warriors often does that. But he he's can, a he's a solid like shooter from mid range, and he can knock down a contested shot. But he's not an elite. At no point in his career has he been an elite slasher kind of player, he, and he never will be. That's not his game. I'm I'm saying he's, he, I, he's I think pretty he has tall. The ability to, he's I think pretty he tall, but he's not. Do that. He's not very fast. He's not going to blow by you. I'm talking right. about laterally. I think he's very elite at driving to the middle. But how does lateral quickness really affect you as a as a driving player? If, if you're on the left wing, and you want to drive, so that's to the middle. that's one lateral step. That's far more important as a defender than as, as an offensive player. I Lateral quickness that. does not affect your uh, your ability to drive to the basket that much. D- is is Russell Westbrook an elite, you know, like slashing guard because because he has great lateral quickness? No, it's because he accelerates and in one step is by you better than. I'm not, I'm not, than I'm not saying Clay Thompson is like Russell right Westbrook. Now. I'm not saying Clay Thompson is Russell Okay, I, I understand think that. He, I just I think he has that. the ability to drive by. Okay, let, let's that's... move on to something else. Let's move on to something else. Okay. I saw on on Instagram 
B-Bowl Realm posted this saying, just gave me the idea. And he said that Clay Thompson, he's talking about all time. Let's just talk about the NBA. Yeah. But he says, Clay Thompson, if if everyone is flaming hot in the NBA, everyone's making uh, the shots that they usually make at the highest rate, and they're just on fire. They're shooting amazing. They're playing amazing. Who is the best player in the NBA? And he said Clay Thompson. And he gave one of his reasons as he dropped 37 and a quarter. Uh, he's a top three shooter of all time. And we've just seen it in the past where he's gone off for insane amounts and efficient uh, scoring performances as well. He said that Clay Thompson, if everyone was if everyone was flaming hot in the NBA, LeBron, KD, he said that Clay Thompson would be the best player, not any of those. What do you think of that? And who would you say would be the best player in the NBA if everyone was hot? Kevin Durant. Oh, oh that, that's <laughs> okay. Kevin Durant. I- without without me really like having to think about that think about it that much i i think that like okay so on the warriors again like if clay thompson is getting his shot off and he's hot he looks unstoppable but i feel like kevin durant has a greater ability to just get a shot whenever he feels like it there are times when kevin durant when he's hot just takes over a game like no player i've ever seen before and that's why i i just think that kevin durant not only i say it all the time that i feel like kevin durant and you know, and I haven't been watching like the NBA for very long, but I feel like Kevin Durant has got to be like a top ten, maybe even higher than that scorer of all time. He's definitely higher than that. I, okay, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know where. I haven't seen you know the guys up that yeah, would be above okay. him. I haven't seen that, them play, so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out there and, and pretend like I know. Um, but he's got. I feel like he's got to be a top ten scorer of all time. And I feel like out of any player in the NBA right now, as a pure scorer, especially when they're hot. His game is just elevated even that much more. Kevin Durant is unstoppable. Let me know how you let me know how you're stopping one of a seven foot player who I think who can attack the basket because he's got he's got incredible handles, especially for seven foot player. My argument he's quick. He he shoots as well as almost anybody in the league. Okay, my argument against that would be Kevin Durant always shoots the ball well almost always shoots the ball well and, yeah. and even if he's not flaming hot he can always get his shot up so exactly, i think but that's that's a bit not really unique to this situation which is why i would go lebron james because i think mm-hmm. he has all of the driving abilities and if he has that step back three-pointer when he's hot yeah i would say that well, that's kind of unstoppable and I, I don't, I, like obviously like you can't say oh if everyone's flaming hot then just have like Curry pull up from three-quarter court and yeah. it'll just go yeah, in because yeah. he's flaming hot but I, th- I think lebron since he has a three-point shot in his arsenal. If he makes his threes, like we saw in the finals against the mm. Heat, if he makes his threes, there's no way to guard him, and it's just a GG. Yeah, I, I just think it's a. I think this is a, such a weird question that it is a weird yeah, question. That, like, if they're flaming hot, that top ten NBA, like, what does like, flaming hot mean? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a very open-ended question. But like, you know, it it's it's true that like you know LeBron has one of the most versatile scoring arsenals ever, just because he's. So obviously he's arguably the greatest player ever, but you know with that three pointer he becomes that much more deadly, and we've seen him even more so in the last couple of years, sort of starting to even add a greater difficulty three point shots. And that's so I mean as if LeBron wasn't already hard enough to guard. So I think there's there's a point in that, but I still think that out of out of anybody in the league right now, I think that Kevin Durant's the best scorer in the league right now. I think that a hot Kevin Durant. 
is even more uh, is just even more so. Like I feel like you, when you got when I, you got I would like, just argue that the gap the the shot the, the, making the gap. gap between Kevin Durant when he's not hot and Kevin Durant when he is is not as great. Yeah, and that is that's versus, a fair statement versus yeah. everyone else's. Do you want to talk because, about Derrick Rose? All right, yeah. It, uh, Derrick Rose dropped fifty a few days ago. I think on Halloween night. <laughs> like I, I thought I'd, I, I can't believe I didn't watch the game. I, yeah, that's very upsetting. I didn't watch. I wasn't watching live either. I mean, let's just. I mean, former MVP, the former youngest MVP of all time. I think 2011. After what I guess it's been seven-ish years, to come back and drop his career high. That's pretty insane. That's a comeback story and a half. Like not even that's fifty. That's his. That it's his career high. It's a, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's so incredible. And uh, it just shows perseverance. Like one could say that this was his best game ever. I I don't think like if he was mm-hmm. as efficient or if he like over dribbled or whatever. But yeah. I think it's just so impressive that <laughs> after all this it's time, more than more than anything, it's just like. As an NBA fan, it just makes you so happy to see it. Yeah. Just man. for him. Because it doesn't... If you think this means that all of a sudden Derrick Rose is going to become an all-star or an all-NBA player again, you're wrong. I'm sorry. But, like, I'm sorry we'll, to hate we'll, to break we'll, to you. We'll, but get like, that, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, I, I, that doesn't mean, doesn't mean that Derrick Rose can still contribute to an offense? Yes, but we already knew that. Okay. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. I just want to say, mm-hmm. I, I went back and I watched the replays of the game, and Derrick Rose just looked like... He looked very complete as an NBA player. Yeah. Like, no, he wasn't pulling up from three. He he did but make a few threes, though. He, 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 he had made, like, he made four three-pointers, something like that. Yeah, but um, nothing insane. Yeah. But just all his attacking was very <coughs> was very well-balanced. And mm-hmm. I just think that it was very it was a very complete performance, and he was pretty decent on defense. He had the game-winning block, and <laughs> That's a- it wasn't— I mean, he so was kind impressive. of hijacking the offense, which is why I wouldn't say, like, he's back or whatever. Yeah. But, okay, let's talk about to, that now. To say, what, to, what say, is, what? to say he's back is an overreaction. Yeah, but let's talk about what is Derrick Rose right now? What does this game mean for how good of an NBA player is Derrick Rose? I think that it's easy to forget that Derrick Rose is still, like, only, like, 30 years old or something. Maybe even yeah. a little bit younger. So, like, Derrick Rose is still, while, while 30 years old is by no means a young player, We've seen plenty of players, you know, become still be solid role players into their mid to late thirties, right? And so, will there is Derrick Rose still an elite starting point guard? Probably not. No, he's not elite, but he could he be a solid starting point guard? Sure, but where he'd probably fit best is to come off the bench for a competing team, and and just be like his like you know lightning quickness and just ability to to go off for a game like this at, at any Honestly, point Derek Rose can can be a spark plug ball off your bench and I think that's that's super valuable honestly I think that everyone was saying that he's back not not even before this game he was back to being a average starting point guard you told me that a few weeks mm-hmm. ago and I didn't really I, buy into it yeah I do now I think he mm-hmm. can be an average starting point guard or for an elite team, I don't I don't like him as a backup point guard on an elite team. I like mm-hmm. him as a starting point guard for an average team, what the Timberwolves are right yeah. now. But I can't see him coming off the bench for a team with that that's filled with superstars like the Warriors, or the Rockets, or mm-hmm. the Celtics, or even like the Raptors, any of the top teams in the NBA. Because I think he just he takes 
over the offense typically he a little bit, bit a little bit too much exactly so yeah so so what i'm saying is he can't i don't think that he fits as the starting point guard alongside superstars in an elite team but if he's coming off the bench and i, I think he's still very valuable offensively if he's coming off your bench and kind of taking over the offense you can live with that for sure right like, yeah but I, my, my just my reasoning for why you do have to you do have to you do have to adapt your bench lineup around him though which yeah. i'm not sure that an elite team is willing to do now yeah i don't think an elite like what is your ceiling as a team if derrick rose is your backup point guard as as your offense because yeah he, i don't think he he has to be the point guard he can't be mm-hmm. he can't be a shooting guard and he has to play on the ball because he can't really space the floor yeah space the floor um, <laughs> but like for, for context i saw this in a post under kicks the instagram account it said Clay Thompson took 56 dribbles in his 52 point performance. It's it's Clay Thompson. That's mm-hmm. insane. Derrick Rose took 653. Yeah. I don't think that at his best or even just in general, Derrick Rose over dribbles. I've mm. seen that he has a tendency to over dribble and I just think he'll hijack an offense to where you mm. don't want that if you're if you're a team that already has enough talent to be an elite team. Mm. Yeah, I mean I think that Derrick Rose's offensive offensive game is still geared towards a superstar MVP player, right? Yeah. He's sort of he's he, sort of he, he just doesn't have that talent for that exactly. type of usage. He's da- he's sort of I think he sort of deteriorated a little bit to the point that he's an above average NBA player, but probably not an above average I don't think, starter. I don't think he's an above average NBA. Player. He's a, he's an above average NBA player. If right? we're not, not if we're not including like the twelfth and eleventh men, I would say he's an mm-hmm. average NBA player. Slight, yeah, yeah, slightly yeah. Below, okay, so I, I, would I would say, say slightly below average starter okay. to average starter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so he's an he's a he's an above average NBA player, right? This is like as a whole. If you take yeah, into fine, account, yeah, sure. right, whatever that means. Yeah, all right. But so he's a tier to that, but he still plays like he's a star to a superstar. Yeah, right. Which which I think you can live with, especially you know when he's going off and and, and dropping fifty. But like. I don't think in a game, live. yeah, where he can't, but he can't do that. I don't think consistently. Can live I just think it'll lead to inefficiency. That's fair. And a stagnant offense. I do hope more than anything out of this game. I hope that this is this just like reminds people that you know you know how great Derrick Rose was, and that if nothing else, that at least like maybe it adds to his like Hall of Fame resume. Yeah. Right. That one. I don't think one game is the difference between you making the Hall of Fame and you not making the Hall of Fame, but. If this could going forward, it could it could if it could mean that he, you know, extends his career a little bit more. He like validates himself as an NBA player a Maybe little bit more. Maybe gives him more motivation. Exactly. I mean, if and then if he's got more eyes on him, if if all of a sudden he's you know gained a lot more respect for himself, and, and people are thinking in their mind, maybe he's back, and people are tuning into it to watch how Derrick Rose is playing. Then maybe it's you know maybe it's another step towards him becoming a Hall of Famer, which I really I really hope he does become because. In the end, like that would be such, that would be an amazing story. Okay, last let's talk about the Cavs. Two things: first, Tyron Lue was fired a few mm-hmm. days ago, and secondly, right afterwards, it came out that J.R. Smith has requested a trade and wants to be off the Cavs. Yeah. First, let's talk about Ty Lue. He got fired after an zero and six start to the season. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this. Was was he ever a good coach? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I have it written down as was he a good coach or was he just LeBron's coach, which I think you know it's kind of hard to tell because he was sort of just I th- thrown. I think into it's the... almost impossible to tell. Yeah, honestly. I mean he was just sort of thrown into the mix because David Black got fired and he and he was the assistant coach and so he was just 
promoted, but we never really, you know, we've seen him playing, playing, um, playing with LeBron in every game he's been a head coach, and we we don't really know to what extent, like, was he really calling the shots? To what extent was LeBron calling the shots? And to what extent maybe was the GM calling the shots? Because we'll get to it, but I think that the GM has was making coaching suggestions this season also through Ty Lue. So he could have had some impact as well. But we, So we don't really know. We, we can't step inside their locker room. So we don't also, really know it's, how it's great so it It's so hard coach. to coach LeBron James. Yeah. Eric Spolstra took, who was an elite coach in the NBA, yeah. it still took him a year and a half to kind of be the best coach yeah. LeBron has ever had. You have to you have to you have to adapt your coaching game style to LeBron. And for somebody who has never been a head coach before, yeah. he probably really just wasn't doing that much coaching in general. Now that's an assumption, but we'll see, you yeah. know, who knows. But personally, I don't think this this is just my opinion whether it's a hunch, whether it's mm-hmm. what I see is actually correct. I don't think he is a good head coach and I don't yeah. I don't think he's even an average head to coach. Be, to, yeah, to be fair, the the reasons that there's a couple of reasons why there are a couple signs that he might not be a great coach, which, um, shout out to Basketball Breakdown. Um, uh, I watched a video that saying um, th- that the reasons that he got fired was probably because he generally, the, the Cavs played pretty poor defense, that they played pretty yeah, poor pretty never... poor health, de- health defense and switch defense, and that, that was one of the biggest flaws in... Especially last year, yeah. But even just in general against the finals, mm-hmm. against the Warriors. Yeah. Now, now you might be thinking, oh, it's because LeBron's saving his energy, but they just their whole defensive scheme was thrown off because they they were a team that was you know meant to be like switching and people just wouldn't and they were helping in the wrong situations and not helping when they should have been. So it, that was a problem. Also, but also, yeah. Continue. I was just gonna say they also had very poor locker room and that's kind of a coach it's part of a coach's responsibility is, is to control the locker room Tyloo, as a former player i think that's kind of your job as a coach for your calling card if you're a former player to be a player's coach i don't think i think that his maybe lack of x's and o's would be tolerable if he was a good locker room guy yeah but aside from him being liked by lebron because obviously he kept his job yeah, I don't think he was that good of a locker room guy, especially last year. Yeah, I mean, because we saw them totally reboot their team yeah. at the trade deadline. Which is why I don't think he should get an, another job in the NBA. I was he gonna will. Ask, yeah, I was going to ask but... you. I, I think he will get another job. Yeah. If I was a team, I would not hire Ty Lue I mean, as a coach. And maybe it's an experiment, though, right? Like, uh, like Once again, we haven't seen... Ty Lue as a, as anybody but you know like a coach a head coach with LeBron so we don't really know I think that he deserves a second chance bro but also <laughs> if I have Ty Lue was my coach I would not respect him because a I dropped him <laughs> I just I, I would just walk in you could you just can't look at him the same way I cannot look at him the same way that's that's fair I guess but <laughs> uh, I also think so um but uh, one thing that I have to, I had to say though is so I feel like it might be a little bit I, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe Ty Lue, Ty Lue has not been a good coach ever since David Blatt was fired. But after an 0-6 start to the season, isn't that kind of to be expected? Like, did they did they did they expect the Cavs to really be doing like that much better this season than 0-6 than an 0-6 start? No, I think they were definitely supposed to be decent. They were yeah. trying to be decent, which kind of set yeah. the framework for it. And also, they, Kevin loves an All Star. Kevin loves an All Star, but. 
when Kevin Love was, you know, in the best years of Kevin Love's career, when he was playing in Minnesota, putting up the best stats of his career at least, he wasn't leading this team, that those teams to good records, right? Like it, Kevin Love, no matter how you know what numbers he's putting up, no matter how well he's playing, he hasn't been able to. Carry still, a team to like a respectable still, record. Really. I, I would still say Kevin Love is an all-star player. And yeah, I, I don't think he's a losing player. I don't think. No, I, I don't think. That, I mean, they want to. They want to change him. Kevin Love. And I, I would say that. But is, but can Kevin Love, as the number one player on a team, I think, carry him to a I, solid I think, record? I, th- I think he can be not zero and six. That's fair. He, I think he's a good player. That's fair. And and it, it, Ty Lue is definitely somewhat responsible for this zero and six record because the Cavs were not planning to tank this season. Yeah, that would, they, they, they said they were not playing. Also, this was a team that just made the finals. I understand they lost the best player in the world. That, that's not a. It's not, you can't compare them to last year. I don't like. I, you can't compare no, them you to can't last year. Compare them to last year, but they had a kind of all right enough roster to get to the finals. I understand LeBron carried them. Yeah, but but in the last year of LeBron's contract with the Cavs, he was going to go all in to get them to the finals. Right. He has to for the city of Cleveland, his hometown. It was going to happen. But LeBron doesn't owe Cleveland anything. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not since 2016. Or, yeah, yeah, not since he won the championship. Okay. But also... Um, J.R. Smith. Yeah. All right, I'll talk about J.R. Smith. So another another shout to basketball breakdown, because they talked about this a little bit too, is another reason that um, Tyloo potentially got fired was because... And this was going back to, I mentioned before, the general manager might have been, you know, sort of making some coaching suggestions. The general manager of the Cavs was saying, was telling Ty Lue to play the, to play the young players a lot. And after, you know, they got off to, you know, like an 0-3 start or whatever, um, Ty Lue put in J.R. Smith and like Kyle Korver for like some extra minutes and they still lost. And then, and so then the, so the GM's mad at, at Ty Lue Tyloo gets fired. J.R. Smith's now mad at the management because <laughs> because Tyloo played him more and the and the management fired him for it. <laughs> and so that so it's all sort of you know falling into chaos. I think the management was smart. <laughs> I, I think you should play your young yeah, players. Yeah, you should play right? Chetty Osman. You should play no Colin Sexton. And that's not the only reason J.R. Smith is frustrated. <laughs> Why else? He, he, he was just on a team with LeBron James at the t- and at the tail end of, the end of his career. J.R. Smith is trying to. Be kind of rain chasing on a contender. He's not trying Maybe. to be. I didn't even he's think not about tra- that. He's not trying to be riding the bench of a t- of a tanking team, right? Well, they think- could tank at this point. Yeah, I know, but what, I think what, they probably what will. team? What team would he go to? I don't know, but I as, cannot as, see him on the Lakers. I really no, no, see no, him no, on no. The Lakers. They, the, the last thing they need is another like questionable locker room guy. <laughs> I, would you call that? I think Jared's the questionable locker room guy. Right? I would just call him a bonehead. Yeah, right. Join the mud squad. The, the, what is it? Misunderstood, the underappreciated, and determined. Yes. Um, JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson. Yeah. And Michael Beasley, Rajon Rondo. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so I, mean, I I think that if if you were on a team with LeBron James going from being in the finals multiple years in a row, LeBron James leaves, and now you're getting no minutes and watching a bunch of young players play over you, You'd probably I could be say pretty, pretty frustrated. I could say it, but frustrated too. Jarrett Smith does not have any trade value. He's yes. a, he's a bad contract. He doesn't play defense. 
he's mm-hmm. he's he's just a, a three point shooter. He's potentially yeah. a bad locker room guy, and he's a streaky player. Yeah, and, he, and he's old. Those are five mm-hmm. things that teams don't want to trade for. Yeah, it's true. So I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure contender Cavs, would want to take him. If, if I was the Cavs, I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't package him with an asset just to get him off the team. No, 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 no. And I don't even think he would sell for two second round picks. Maybe, maybe one. Mm, but I don't. Yeah. I don't understand who would I, do but that. I, I think that more than anything, this J.R. Smith and, and Tyron Lue, these moves are just the start of the Cavaliers starting to implode. I think the Cavaliers Ooh. are just gonna. I, I think that this is the start of the Cavaliers just gonna totally fall apart again. Like I think they're gonna. Tra- I think they're gonna trade Kevin Love. They're gonna trade. Um, I, I think Kyle Korver trade, trade all of their. I don't think vets. they'll implode. I think Kevin Love will start the implosion. I don't think Kev, I don't think they will start to implode, and as a result, they'll be forced into trading Kevin Kevin Love because the. A no, no, yeah, Kevin really Love so. will be their implosion. Yeah, because Kevin Love is really their their main the main asset they you have. You just left. said this is the start. This is the start of their implosion, meaning that this is indicative that Kevin Love will be traded. Okay, that, that, this is the start of their implosion, meaning that. This 0-6 start, them, you know, hiring, having Larry Drew as, like, maybe their coach, but, like, Larry Drew is also trying to negotiate, like, a, more, a longer contract, so he's, like, <laughs> maybe an interim coach. He's not even really their head coach right now. Like, it's... What happened with the It's a weird situation. Year. Yeah. Um, but, so so we'll see. I think that I think that this, more than anything, just means that the Cavaliers are going to hit a little bit of a reset. They're going to keep Colin Sexton. They're going to keep Shetty Osman. Maybe they keep guys like Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson, but that That's it's it. going to be it's going to be pretty much a total refresh outside yeah. of that. Maybe like a Rodney Hood too. But I, I think I they know. should hold on to Rodney Hood. Yeah. He's young and he has the talent to put the ball in the basket. Yeah, he seems like kind of a Tim Hardaway Jr. type player, not in the style, just in mm. the kind of level that they're at. Yeah, I would say it's analogous. Yeah. All, All right. right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Space the Floor and May Podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, uh, leave us a rating down below, and thanks for listening. If you're listening on YouTube, leave us a like and subscribe. That would help so much. If uh, Follow us on Instagram at Space the Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space the Floor. And thanks for listening. My name is Connor Gielen. And I'm Connor Flannery. And thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Peace.